Time for our spotlight for you for today here on KRWC. And on the third Thursday of each month, we welcome the KRWC Book Club. And the Book Club brought to you by the Book Break in Maple Lake. And we thank the Book Break for being a fine sponsor of our program here this morning. And we have an in-studio author today, which is, uh, well, kind of somewhat of a rarity in the last year or so. But we have uh, David Housewright in studio with us. We're reviewing and uh, talking about his book called From the Grave today. And David joins us in studio. Good morning, sir. Nice to uh, meet you and have you in studio with us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. David is a uh, longtime uh, Twin Cities author and uh, makes his home in the uh, St. Paul area and uh, ventured in here today to uh, join us for the book club. Uh, boy, your uh, work has been uh, pretty prolific over the last uh, few decades here. You've been at it a while now. 26 years, there you go. actually. Excellent. 26 books, I should say. <laughs> 26 <laughs> books, 26 years, it all blends together. It does, after a while. You didn't start out as a... As a, a, a an author, a full time author, I guess maybe not too many writers do. You you've got a background in a, a l- other writing of different well, kinds. Well, I, I was a journalist. I mm-hmm. started in newspapers. I worked for the uh, Minneapolis Tribune Sports Department. This is before it merged with the Star, and I was in a couple small town papers, the Elberly Evening Tribune. I did a uh, a summer internship at the Owatonna People's Press, and then I uh, ended up in Grand Forks working for the Herald in North Dakota. Okay. And uh, from there, were you always writing uh, novels or stories, that kind of thing on the side all of that time, or was it something that you kind of eased into? Well, I started uh, when I was in Albert Lee, uh, right out of college. Mm Mm-hmm. And those books were just so ungodly bad. (laughs) I mean, they were awful. Um, I actually kept them. I kept them in a briefcase that I put in my attic. And a few years ago, we're going through the <laughs> attic, and I come across the, the briefcase, and I'm looking at these stories, and I can't believe I actually wrote this crap. <laughs> it was just awful. Uh, and I didn't do it after that. I, I, I worked in newspapers for a while, and then I drifted into advertising. I actually owned my own agency, Gerber House Right in St. Paul, for a while. Okay. And then I... but. In the back of my head, I'm a novelist. I wanted to write books. So uh, while I was working for my agency, uh, creative director, a part owner, I started to write a book. And originally it was meant to be a uh, uh, about political corruption. But it occurred to me as I'm writing it, I throw a couple of dead bodies on the floor. This would make a great crime novel. Okay. And so I did, and Penance came out in uh, 95, and in 96, I won the Edgar Award from the Mrs. Mystery Writers of America for this book, and that was it. Yeah. I, uh, my partner and I uh, uh, divvied up the agency, and we went our separate ways, and I started writing books and working freelance. And I've uh, been writing ever since. Ever since. Yeah. Did that... Uh, Take you by surprise a little bit that you had, well, of course, you, you were paying some dues along the way, but uh, once you got into it, you had pretty much success uh, kind of right out of the gun there, or at least early on anyway. I did, and that was very fortunate to my career. Uh, 
as you go along, I honestly didn't know much about publishing. I look back at it now, and I can't believe I was that ignorant. Um, I believed at the time, for example, you just wrote the book. And then somebody published it, and everything would work out. And I didn't realize uh, how much of the business of writing had little to do with the actual writing, but with the promotion and all of the rest. Uh, I, I was told early on by uh, no less a, 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 a iconic writer than Ellen Hart that it would be much harder for me to get my third book published than it would be to get my first book published. Mm. And considering how hard it was to get my first book published, I was shocked <laughs> by this. Okay. But I understand now. I understand how the business works. If you don't catch fire right away, if you don't have some success, you don't start building an audience, you may not get a chance to publish a third book. Now, this is traditionally published. Of course, now anybody can publish, uh, self-publish a book. Sure. Uh, so that's a little, it's a little different environment than it used to be, but... I was taken by surprise a little bit. You would think I'd know better working in marketing and advertising for 20 years, that I would have a better understanding of it, but I didn't. I was, I was quite naive when I first started. A lot of competition in you know, all forms of you know, uh, literature or entertainment or music or anything. You know, I mean, there is, there is always somebody around the corner. Oh, there is, but uh, novel... Writing is a little different. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I won my Edgar Award, uh, Donald E. Westlake, a very iconic, famous mystery writer. Uh, if you read mysteries, you know who Donald Westlake was. And he comes up and he puts his arm around me. And he says to me, remember, you don't have to fail for me to succeed. And I don't have to fail for you to succeed. So we can be friends. And again, I, I, you know, I was new to the business, and I was quite taken aback by this. I was very surprised he said it, but I understood later what he was talking about. Uh, it isn't an either-or deal. You're not going to go into a bookstore and say, well, I'm going to buy Kent Kruger, or I'm going to buy David Housewright. You're going to buy whatever you feel like reading, and, and one may go to, you know, you're not going to read just one author. Mm -hmm. You're going to read many authors, and people are going to introduce you to more books, and readers understand this. So it isn't that kind of a competition where uh, if, if, you know, uh, Julie Kramer does well with her romance novels, oh my goodness, did I say Julie Kramer? I meant Julie Clausen. You know, her romance novels take off. Oh, that's somehow going to uh, hurt me. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't work that way. No. So there's uh, a number of colleagues or kind of a camaraderie then in some ways uh, among many writers. There certainly is in the mystery genre. I can't speak to the other genres. I'm really not that familiar. I have friends who work in different in different. Uh, uh, kinds of writing and they you know they, they seem to be doing fine so yeah. I, I don't know I don't know if if there's greater competition in say fantasy and science fiction than there is in in what we do David Housewright our guest on the book club here for the month of November here on KRWC 
and uh, he's visiting with us in studio. We're brought to you, of course, by the book break in Maple Lake, where you can get the uh, featured book of uh, the month this uh, month, From the Grave. We'll get to that in a minute. You've got a couple of different series. You mentioned Penance, which is, uh, am I right, that's the Holland Taylor series? Yes. And then... Uh, today's book uh, comes from the Rushmore McKenzie series. Yes. Okay. So talk about the uh, styles well, and differences. And Well, it, again, uh, it, it's a publishing story. Uh, my book came out, Penance, and uh, Dearly to Our Practice at Eve came out the year later and, and won a Minnesota Book Award, and we were on our way. But my publishing house, it was a small house called Countryman Press in Connecticut. And they had an imprint called Foul Play Press. Now, Foul Play Press printed mostly English writers. They would get the U.S. rights to English authors like Peter Lovesy. I was their only American writer. Well, Countryman Press was bought by another publishing house, W.W. Norton. And they didn't buy W.W. Norton didn't buy Countryman for the mysteries. They bought it for all the other imprints they had, their cookbooks and hiking books and what have you. And they didn't even know who I was. I mean, I, I remember getting a phone call from a publicist asking for Steve Housewright. <laughs> My wife answers the phone and says, well, I have a cousin named Steve. Mm. So she's like, well, you know, who's calling, please? And, and she explains that she's a publicist for W.W. Norton. And my wife says, well, you mean, you, you sure you're not looking for David Housewright, the award-winning author? And she <laughs> goes, no, I'm pretty sure his name is Steve. So I knew I was, I was basically screwed. <laughs> <laughs> and this happens in publishing all the time. Uh, so now the question is, what do we do? And my agent and I talked it over, and even though there was some interest in the Taylor series, we thought, well, maybe it's better to find something new. So we created Mackenzie, okay. and that took off. Did that, that did very well. And now we're bringing back Mackenzie, okay. or excuse me, bringing back Taylor. Uh, Darkness singing a song, First Kill the Lawyers. Right now I have a new book out with, uh, with Taylor that we're, we're shopping so we'll we'll see how that goes. And I'm just looking in reference materials here. 04 was uh, when the McKenzie series began, and you've got uh, 15, 16, 17 entries into the series now. I th think the one I'm writing now as we speak is 19. Okay. I'm not sure. I'd have to look. Yeah, but <laughs> point point being that this is a this is a long running series now and and well received, obviously. Yes, it's it's. Uh, I'm 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 very lucky. I'm very fortunate on that. It's it's rare that authors get to publish this many books. Mm -hmm. Talk about the the series. Some of the premises that or uh, similarities and differences uh, that that run through all of these books. Well, Taylor is a traditional trench coat detective in the same vein as Sam Spade and Philip Marlowe. Uh, he's very cynical, very much a loner. Uh, Taylor, Mackenzie, on the other hand, is not. He, he, he's an ex-police officer who's suddenly rich. So he's he's an unlicensed private investigator. He does he's doing favors for people, for friends and friends of friends. Uh, 
And he's not cynical. He's a very optimistic fellow, a very uh, a good-natured guy. And when his head hits the pillow at night, uh, he's convinced he's making the world a better place, no matter how terrible uh, things happen, and including things that he himself does. He goes to bed thinking, well, the world's a little bit better because I did this, because I helped these people. Uh, Taylor, or Taylor is not. He doesn't think the world's getting any better. He thinks the world's getting worse, and he's basically doing it because uh, that's the best way he knows how to make a living. If he had Taylor's money, he would retire. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> or excuse me, if he had McKenzie's yeah. money, he would retire. Yeah. Now, uh, this month's book, From the Grave, um, you, you get into a little paranormal, you get into uh, kind of some different areas here on this one. Yes. Um, I'm not trying to convince anybody ghosts are real in the book. I'm really more interested in the business of the paranormal. This is a $2.5 billion industry and the psychic mediums and the TV shows and the readings and all of this sort of thing. I was more interested in, in writing about that than actually trying to convince people ghosts are real. Uh, what happened? My wife, Renee Valois, the theater cricket for, for the Pioneer Press, among other things, she was getting a massage in this old building in Minneapolis. And while she was getting the massage, she saw a tray levitate off of a table and go flying across the room and hit the wall. Oh, man. She saw this. She oh, didn't boy. hear it. It wasn't something that somebody said. She saw it. Hmm. And she, t she turns to the masseuse and said, and she, <laughs> very disconcerting moment, goes, yeah. did you see that? And the, the masseuse blows it off. It says, yeah, that, you know, this place is haunted. It used to be a crematorium, so on and so forth. And uh, things like that happen all the time. Oh, my. Now, I tell you this story knowing that half of your listeners will not believe a word of it. <laughs> Simply will not believe it's true. I think it was Newsweek who did a, uh, uh, a survey and discovered 50% of the people in the country believe in ghosts and 50% don't. And the difference is that the 50% who believe have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. Something happened. They saw something. Uh, the 50% who don't believe don't have a story to tell, or they do have one that has a logical expl explanation if only they could think of it. Uh. Anyway, this up until that moment, my wife never gave you know, the paranormal ghosts a, a second thought. That was something you, you saw in movies. But then she became involved in this sort of thing. She wanted to find out more. And, and she became friends with people. She took classes from Echo Bodine. She's had dinner with uh, Marianne uh, Warchowski, the woman the Ghost Whisperer was based on. And she's got involved with paranormal investigations and so on and so forth. And I'm basically following her around. You know, she's going to do a ghost tour in Edinburgh. Well, okay, fine, I'll go with you. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> And this is pretty much where the, the story came from. I started seeing all this stuff, and I gathered up research of my own, and I thought, well, let's, let's write about this. Not about the ghosts, per se, but about the people who are involved in this, the people who believe, the people who are making money 
from it. And that's where the story came from. Interesting. So you were kind of, um, unbeknownst to you, doing a little backgrounding uh, as you went along there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I always thought, well, there may be a story in this somewhere. There may be a book somewhere. But I didn't have a story to tell. I didn't know where it was. And then one day I woke up and I go, hey. Which is a, is a lot, which is the way it works. Um, you talk to authors and, you know, you get a kernel of an idea or you read something or you hear something or you see something and you start playing games with it. What if? What if this? What if that? Uh, I always start with what is the book about? And from the grave, it's about, it's about faith, it's about what we believe and why we believe it. And, you know, the, the, our history and our background and our, 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 you know, that lend itself to our beliefs. Uh, the book I'm, uh, that just came out, what the deadly, or excuse me, uh, What Doesn't Kill Us, that's about um, family. And what our families do to us, you know, why we are the people we are, you know, mostly it's because of our families. Well, what if you find out that you're not actually the son of your father, mm-hmm. you know, through the DNA testing? Mm-hmm. And then you're actually connected to this family, and this family is messed up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's... That's really what what that's about. So I always start there, and then I come across stuff, and I go, gee, what if I use this? Or what if I putz with that? And It's a process, and and sometimes it takes me three or four years to figure out a book. And sometimes I I just go, oh, wait, and it's right there in front of me. You've got a long thread of of different stories now with uh, the Rushmore McKenzie uh, series. How do you... Uh, is it always um, a, a certain uh, way that you get from one story to another? Do they all run together? In other words, are these chronological? No. Okay. Well, yes, they're chronological. Uh, the, the the books take Mackenzie doesn't isn't Sue Grafton, the late Sue Grafton, wonderful writer, wrote the Kinsey Millhouse books. The A is for alibi, B is for burglary, C is for corpse. You know, I'm, I'm sure your mystery readers will know who she is. Her character never aged. Her character was basically the same age in A is for Alibi as, as in uh, Y is for, uh, I forgot the title, <laughs> yesterday or something. Anyway, um, and I asked her why, and she said because she didn't want to deal with the technology. She didn't want to <laughs> deal with all the changes that were going on. Uh, yeah. Well, I do. Okay. So my character is aged uh, eight and a half years over the course of, of the 17, 18 books I wrote. Uh, but I don't write them in so that you have to read the first one to understand what's going on in the fifth one. Right. That's Each book is standalone. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. Do you, you don't have to, like, for instance, in From the Grave, you don't have to know important facts from six novels back that no, apply to this. No, 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 no. And if you do, I will tell that story so that you're... you're, you're you get uh, caught up then. You get caught up. Yeah. Um, 
I believe in backstory. I believe in history. You read a lot of, of crime novels, especially detective fiction, where the detective doesn't have family. They don't have a mother and a father, a brother, a sister. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them might have ex-wives, but that's about it. And that's because the author doesn't want to have to be burdened with, with that. I, in Mackenzie especially, he has all of this, all of these friends, all of this history that keeps folding on to each other. Um, so it becomes a challenge of how do I tell the reader something in book seven that they already know if they've been following you know, the series yeah. without boring them. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, giving new readers the information they need without, you know, to move the, the book along. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting, um, you know, thread that, that continues on with, especially with series like this, and we've talked with other authors that have done or and are doing, you know, similar uh, continuing series where there is there is some thread there, but they, they don't necessarily have to be, you know, informed no, no. about. Each book stands alone. You only get what you need that's pertinent to the story. David Housewright is our guest, the author of this month's uh, book club book of the month here from the grave. Um, and again, available uh, many different sources. Of course, our sponsor is uh, Book Break and uh, go see uh, Marilyn. She's going to help you out there with uh, all of the, the books, but uh, many other sources for you too. Couple quick, uh, we're kind of running out of time here, David. But a couple quick things. I always like to ask our authors, and I get a wide range of response on this, uh, mainly because I guess some of our authors, you know, are really full-time authors, and others are kind of like they do it on the side. But do you like to try to write every day, or you know, do you do you discipline yourself to write every day, or are you more of, I'll sit down and write you know, for 14 hours if I'm inspired? Uh, no, I don't write every day. Okay. Uh, and I, I know everybody I've got, I, every writer I know has their own system mm -hmm. of how they do things. Uh, when I start writing, when I, if, if you want to use that term, uh, it's more mostly cerebral. I, I'll take notes, and I'm I'm working out the story in my head, and sometimes I'll, I'll work the outline. Uh, I I I am an outliner. I will figure the story out ahead of time, and maybe I'll write it all down, and maybe I'll just have it in my head. But I always know how the book ends before I begin. I always know what the story is about. I always know what these characters are going to do and why they're going to do it. And then I'll sit down and I'll write. And once I actually start writing, then my goal is to write uh, 5,000 words a week. Okay. 5,000 good words a week because I'm always polishing. Uh, a lot of people, they just sit down and they write. Uh, and this includes people who maybe have outlined their books. And then they get to the end or what they think is the end, and then they go back and they rewrite. And they rewrite and they rewrite and they do all of that. And I get that. And, and God love them. I don't. I have the story in my head and I'm always polishing the book. I'm always fixing it as I move along. 
So when I actually finished the book, I'll let it sit for a couple of days. Then I'll go through it again, you know, word one, page one. And then when it's over, and then when I get to the end, I'm done. I don't do rewrites. Now, we mentioned my, my, you know, my output. I have 26 books. And God knows how many short stories, and I just finished a novella for a a publishing house of 12,000 words. And I have never been asked to make changes that took me longer than an afternoon. Really? Wow. And I don't think it's craftsmanship, although I like to think I know what I'm doing. I think it's the process. This is how I work, and therefore everything falls together more neatly than someone who will sit down and write the book and then has to go back and reconcile and change and rewrite and whatever to to tell the story they want to tell. You know, everybody has their own system. Yeah. You mentioned, too, and this was just a final follow-up on that same kind of idea. You mentioned that um, you usually have a you know front to back thought in your mind on how a story is going to evolve into a book have you ever had um notions or ideas for a, a particular what you think is going to be a book that ends up being something different or vice versa you know like a short story that turns into a, a mckenzie book or vice versa no okay <laughs> i do uh, okay uh one of the criticisms people have, if, if you want to use that term, about people who outline versus people who don't. A lot of people think it's boring. A lot of people think there's no surprise as you're writing. I don't lock myself into any of this. This is what's in my head, and this is why I start writing. And I'll get halfway through a book, and I'll go, oh, wait. And I'll have a new idea that will change the direction of the book or change what I'm trying to say. And I will, I will follow that. And if it works out great and if it doesn't work out, well, I'll just go back to where I was before and continue on. So it's not like I'm carving this in granite or, you know, it's, it's written down and now I'm carving it word for word. I, I, I just want to know where I am. And I, I think this came from the fact when I, I wrote my first book, I was running an ad agency. And there, there were some very punishing weeks. You're putting a 60-hour week, so writing time was at a very premium. Yeah. So I had it all worked out and outlined, so I always knew where I was. I always knew what I was thinking. I never stared at the screen going, okay, what were you going to do? I had it all worked out, so I always knew. So I could always, you know, if I only had a couple of hours, they were productive hours. That's how I taught myself how to write a book, and now I'm stuck with it. So, and it's worked out so far. Have you ever had thoughts of um, uh, alternate endings or uh, stories that could go either way, and you you pick one way versus a different one? No. Okay. Well, I have changed endings. Yeah. I have to, you know, as I'm writing the book, came up with a different idea and said, oh, this would work so much better, or mm-hmm. I like this better, whatever. But I don't start with the idea that I could go three or four different ways. Let me figure it out as I go. <laughs> I already know. Yeah. And then um, and sometimes I'll adjust it and sometimes I won't. Interesting. From the grave, give us a couple of uh, quick other little thumbnails on uh, readers for 
um, if they're going to start into from the grave, uh, what do they need to know up front here? That, that'll from help that them. book? Yeah. Nothing. Okay. Just dive in. I mean, the conceit of the book is that a psychic medium who's supposedly speaking for a, a dead spirit uh, puts a bounty on Mackenzie's head. Basically, the spirit says, I will show you the location of all this money I stole that was never recovered if somebody shoots this guy. Mm. <laughs> Which is absurd. But that's that was that's the that's the that's the thing that begins the book and we move from there. Well, all right. Um the uh David Housewright uh, books, of course, uh, are published. Uh your publisher is uh St. Martin's Press is publishing all my hardcovers. Uh Down Out Books is tr- publishing all of my uh paperbacks. Plus, we have audio books and e-books as well. Do you do a number of signings and visits? Like, I suppose you were kind of shut down for that, for you know, yeah, like everything. Yeah, I, for... I still am. We don't, you know, we used to do as many signings as we could, as, as you know, everywhere. Sure. In uh, a lot of library events as well, and that sort of thing. Uh, lately, we've been shut down. We've been doing mostly. Uh, uh, virtual events, Zoom events. That's why I was so happy to drive up here. So just get out of the house instead of doing it online. Somebody in person for a change. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, good. Well, we uh, wish you continued success. Uh, what are you working on at this minute? Does he even have a title, or are, are you always working on something? I have. Uh, a, I am working on something. I'm working on a Mackenzie novel. Uh, my agent. I don't have a title yet. Usually, the title introduces itself as I'm writing the book. Uh, sometimes we'll sit there afterwards and go, oh, God, what do I call this? Um, <laughs> but we're doing that. My uh, agent, we have a uh, Holland Taylor book finished that we're looking to uh, to find a home for. And uh, like I said, we have a novella coming out in January called Dracula Wine, mm-hmm. and uh, which is a standalone. It's not a Mackenzie or a Taylor novel. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a grift. It's a con. And we take it from there. You are a busy man, that's for sure. David Housewright, nice of you to uh, come in and visit with us. Pleasure to meet you. And again, we encourage our uh, listeners uh, to go and uh, grab a copy at the book break uh, in Maple Lake. And, uh, of course, all of our other books that we've featured uh, over the many months are are there for you as well. Nice to meet you, David. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. It's a great pleasure to uh, to have you in studio. We thank you for your time today and continued success to you. Thank you. Thanks much. The Book Club, third Thursday of each month here on KRWC at 1010. Our sponsor is The Book Break in Maple Lake. And we uh, hope to join you again here in December with uh, another great mystery, I believe it is, for the next time around. I believe uh, Christine Hewson, local author, will be with us here coming up in December. So we hope to uh, join us then.